Welcome to Retro Fanfic Retrospective, the podcast where we dredge up old fanfiction and expose it to the cold, harsh light of 2021. My name is Amato, he, him, and with me are... Tori, they, them. Dom, they, she, I guess I'm saying out loud for the first time. Hey, hey, people. (laughs) (laughs) Nice. It's been a little while since you were on, Dom. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. Sounds like some developments (laughs) in your life in the meantime. Uh, yeah, I just decided to, that the reasons why I wasn't going by, or including she in the rotation before, was all external. <laughs> mm-hmm. all, all, my, all my reasons were like, well, people won't stop, stop calling me he, at least they is a victory, and like, I think if they said it, they'd be sarcastic, and I realized none of those reasons was because, not because I didn't feel like it, you know? Yeah. 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 I wanted to say... I know in our episode 100, we had a conversation about this, and I feel like I was trying to be reassuring to Dom about, you know, them coming out and using their, their pronouns and, like, that people would know that they were non-binary already. And I listened to the episode, and I was like, actually, people wouldn't know, and I was wrong. <laughs> so I'm sorry. <laughs> it's um, just the outside view thing. Yeah. I'm just, I'm yeah. glad that we can all be out and... I don't know, gay together. <laughs> I mean, oh, I, I'll just... I'm... Except for a mono. Yeah, I'll just be extremely <laughs> non-queer over here in a corner by myself. Uh, and I've also recently started getting comfortable thinking of myself as a as a lesbian. So, yes, I'd... <laughs> let's Yay. all be gay together. <laughs> all right. Well, I'm very glad that you're hopping back on to chat with us a little bit for this episode 104, a nice round number, because yeah, it is a like... new year. I was just like asleep on my bed. Then all of a sudden, like there was a knocking on the door, and like you guys like burst into my room. I said, "What's going on?" You said, "We got to record an episode now." And like I looked around, all the stuff was already set up, and uh, yeah, I, I don't even know what's going on. Can I change out of my, can I change out of my jammas, or or am I just? No, we got to do this now, Dom. Okay, okay, fine, fine. <laughs> We've got a dress code. It's <laughs> yeah, so well, you're making the assumption that we're not also in our pajamas. I guess that's true. That I am very impressed, though. Very fancy. <laughs> Is you don't oh, wear we... a tie to bed? <laughs> Not to bed, no. Ballroom gown. Well, when I'm eating alone, eating a sandwich alone, yes. Ah. Uh, well, that's a given. <laughs> right. We just figured you'd have no objection to joining us on our fan fiction book club podcast if you didn't actually have to read any fan fiction for it. That sounds about right. <laughs> <laughs> the uh, ironic thing is I have been reading a lot more <laughs> since I've stopped being regular. I, I've read four or five books. Um, yeah, I, I read uh, Gideon the Ninth and Harold the Ninth, and I just finished reading Not Your Sidekick. And I'm basically going on a sapphic fiction bent. <laughs> Wait, so nice. what series or movies are those based on? Oh, no, they're, they're books. Right. Yeah, I mean, we read a lot of books, but book book length pieces of fan fiction. Okay, get this. I think it just came out of their head. Yeah. From like like Night no of the Lonesome other... October, you're saying? Sure. E- <laughs> <laughs> Can't say that's no a book. To that. <laughs> that is a book. Yeah, we've we've read multiple books. Yes. Um, New Alice in an Old Wonderland. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. 
probably more than that that I forget. We should probably get to Wicked someday, shouldn't we? It's pretty old. Well, in any case, we are, we're moving into the future. It's 2021. And while I was scrambling for something for us to read, I chose the most appropriate future technology source material I could, which is Reboot. So advanced. So advanced. <laughs> um, exactly computers. For- I can't believe we are re- rebooting the franchise already, but you know, I guess we're past a hundred. So <laughs> they did do a reboot, reboot, didn't they? Like a few years ago, uh, live action, wasn't it? Kind of, yeah. Wait, live it's, action? Yeah, it's not really the same. It's more like Power Rangers. I haven't watched it, but I read the description. It's like these, it's some teens with attitude go into the computer <laughs> in like Power Ranger style, and. No, I remember the, watching that yeah. show back in, like, 1994. I forget what it was called. <laughs> uh, uh, Big Bad Beetleborgs? Was that Big Bad Beetleborgs? I no. think so. Which is actually funny because there is an episode of Reboot. Reboot does something really cool, which is makes tons and tons of topical cultural references for the time. And there was a Power Rangers reference in which they all had insect-themed uh, uniforms. And I no, was that's like, Kamen hey, Rider. <laughs> yeah, I was thinking about it, though. I was like, this reminds me of Beetleborgs, but that episode actually came out the year before Beetleborgs did. Um, oh, I think I'm thinking of Superhuman Samurai Cyber Squad. That's it, mm. yeah. With the Wait. kid that would, that would draw the, the monsters and then they, they get turned into monsters. I might actually be thinking of VR Troopers. There were so many VR of them. Troopers. I don't know. That was VR Troopers. I love VR Troopers. No, do they go into the computer of VR Troopers? I think so, yeah. It's VR, right? What, was there more than one? Because like the one I'm thinking of was just a single hero thing. Oh. Yeah, I think VR there were troopers. more than one of them. It's got to yeah. be VR Troopers. Okay. Yeah. Uh, okay, this is all extremely relevant to Reboot, right? <laughs> it is in the sense that Reboot would make reference to these things. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so Reboot, it was on when we were kids. And I'll mm-hmm. go first for my background with it because I hardly have any. I definitely watched some Reboot as a kid and I was like, this is an odd show. And that's it. <laughs> I uh, I was actually really into it, but like not until it came on Toonami, which um, I found out Reboot actually first aired in 94, but I don't think it aired on Toonami until like 97 or 98, maybe even later than that. But it was in their, their run, at least the first three seasons. So I watched a lot of it. Um, I really enjoyed it, but it still bugs me to this day that the premise is that they have to go into the game because, you know, they're living inside a computer um, and they're sprites or binomes or whatever um, and fight the user. But if they lose the game, I, if the user wins, I, the whole chunk of their city mainframe gets destroyed, which implies that a computer user winning a game destroys part of their computer. And to this day, I do not know why. <laughs> so wait, does that mean the user keeps playing games and never actually wins one? Like some poor guy is at a computer and just cannot beat any game? Well, they do sometimes win, which is kind of the interesting tension of Reboot is like they it's not always sure if things are going to go good or bad. And at one point in the show, things go very bad <laughs> at several points. Well, yeah, I was kind of uh, counting on you, Tori, to bring the reboot knowledge. But what about you, Dom? You've you've got to be somewhere in between the two of us, right? Yeah, I watched it as a kid. I 
enjoyed it. I don't have any solid memories of it. I have, like, clips in my mind of, like, um, well, like them being mermaids and one of them thinking, like, damn, they're hot. <laughs> they're like, uh, I can yeah. hear you. We're psychic now. <laughs> yeah, that's in the um, Andrea episode, which is the episode before the time jump, which was something that really drew me into the series. And I discovered recently that um, the reason they did a time skip and aged up the child characters into like badass adults was because they've already been canceled. So they were just like, fuck it, we're gonna do whatever we want <laughs> for the rest of the season. A time jump done right is a, is a great device, I think. Yeah, it really changed the tone of the series. And this was like season three, episode five that they did this. And then they were unexpected time jumps are the best. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, it wasn't. And it wasn't just that like, so like, the kids get lost in the games and age all the way up to adults. And in the meantime, like, the virus takes over the city and like everything becomes like post apocalyptic by the time they get back. Megatron? Megabyte. Oh, so I got it confused with the other late 90s CGI Canadian cartoon. Right. They really are kind of similar in terms of, like, general <laughs> vibe. <laughs> was it the same company? No, because Reboot was Canadian, right? So was Beast Wars. Oh. Wait. Um, you, you might be right. I don't know if it was the same company. I will say that Reboot started development in the UK in 1984 was when they first came up with the concept. Oh my God. Whoa. And then in 91, they moved to Vancouver, BC to start production. And the series did not air until 94. Uh, yep, Dom. Same company. Reboot and Beast Wars. Mm. There you go. <laughs> Mainframe Studios. Yeah. I mean, this was like a... But Reboot was like their flagship production i think like it was one of the first things to do what it did which was do an all cgi television show and for the time especially since they developed it for a decade before they even started it they spent you know most of that time trying to figure out how to make these figures move and like look real and i think they did a great job (laughs) well according to wikipedia they parlayed that knowledge into all kinds of other great hits that everyone remembers like weirdos action man Max Steel. Hmm. Um, I remember that, Max Steel. That one CGI Spider-Man one that no one liked. Maybe <laughs> someone liked it. I don't know. Uh, Bob the Builder. I guess that's oh, it. That, that's something. Yeah. Yeah. But seeing as Reboot and Beast Wars were contemporary for at least a couple of years, I'm kind of surprised they didn't shoehorn in a crossover event or something. Yeah. I mean, maybe Hasbro would have gone for it. I don't know. Right, it seems like yeah. Reboot seemed oddly not toyetic for an 80s, 90s cartoon like it was. I mean, you could make toys of them, right? But it wasn't like, you know, well, those toys wouldn't make... turn into a thing or whatever. Or Well, you can have different versions, different game versions of, of the characters, right? Did they? You could. <laughs> yeah, I don't think they did. I... I don't really know why, but I do know that, like, one of the things the show did the most was just make references to games and media and stuff. So I wonder if, like, it was more like... Because sometimes the games they would go into, you know, the concept being that they kind of get a costume for each game would be, like, a direct reference to a real game or a real television show. So they probably ran into a lot of copyright issues with that. 
So like watching early CG aside, do you, Tori, do you think it's worth it to go back and watch it? I think it's really well done. Um, it kind of, it stays in the scope of what it's trying to do, which is like be kind of tropey and um, make a lot of references. I think the early seasons are really enjoyable because like every time they go into a game, they, they get a different costume, but I just enjoy that, you know, like a different role to play. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and the, the jokes can be really, you know, kind of cartoony, but they're doing it in a tongue in cheek way. I think it's a really fun watch. So Amato, why are we talking about reboot so much? Uh, it just came up when Tori was sort of suggesting uh, things we might do as story on. And I was kind of scrambling for something to read. And I right. seized on Reboot because we haven't done anything quite like it for a long time. You know, Beast Wars was ages ago. And the problem was, there, there it does seem like there's some really good Reboot fan fiction out there. But old fan fiction was harder to find. It seems to have picked up more in the late, you know, more in the late 2000s aughts or that kind of thing and so i i seized on one that was relatively short and that i saw recommended on such illustrious vetted sites as tv tropes um called a glitch in bob and this was published back in 2005 by jameson um there i well her actually she identifies her pronouns on her fanfiction.net profile and such um on fanfiction.net she's jameson and on Archive of our own, she's Jameson9101322, which seems like a couple more numbers than one would need. How many Jamesons could there possibly be? Is that a zip code? <laughs> <laughs> um, it's too many for a zip code and too few for a zip code plus four, so I don't know. <laughs> it's the elusive zip code plus two. Also, right. <laughs> maybe this author's Canadian. Maybe it's a Canadian zip code. I don't know. Well, you How probably have digits? to pay to write about a Canadian show. That that tracks. Yeah. <laughs> uh, not that I know how many digits a Canadian zip code is, but... <laughs> anyway, she, she reposted on Archive of Her Own, and that's where I'll put a link to in the show notes. Because, you know, you may as well if you have the choice between the two. And um, she's written various fanfiction over the years, up until the current day. Um, I noticed some Halo. That's a thing. Beetlejuice the Musical. A little bit outside of our wheelhouse. And uh, A Glitch in Bob is relatively short. And it's very continuity concerned, it, ter- it turns out. And it's really, really set around specific events in the cartoon that I definitely never saw any of. So, Tori, can you kind of uh, set us up for when this story is happening? Yeah, so this story starts... I mean... Essentially, the author kind of states that it starts, there's a point, and this is not one of the episodes I went back to, but like, I kind of have a sense of it where, um, kind of after the time skip or around then, Bob and his key tool glitch have to merge together. Um, and this story, interestingly, is told from Glitch's perspective. Glitch never gets dialogue in the show, but like, does do like beeps and boops and has this sense of sentience, like it's trying to communicate with Bob. Um, and then most of the events of the story actually happen in what Toonami released as season four, which was actually two, originally two post-series movies that came out in 2001, I think. And 
what's interesting about the story is it kind of follows, even to the point of lifting a lot of dialogue, the events of those films very directly, (laughs) except there's another layer of conflict, which is glitches inside of Bob and... This even happens in the show that they have to separate Bob and Glitch, but it's kind of different. And I guess we will get there. <laughs> yeah, I guess we will. At the start of the story, it kind of picks up with um, with Glitch and Bob merging. And I guess that you know makes them all super powered for a while, right? By the way, I'm, I'm going to yeah. go off on the first of many, many tangents here. So the key tools are like essential to the functioning of the system and they assist the guardians and stuff, right? And, like, they're around, and there's a certain number of them. Yeah. Glitch seems like a very weird name for an entity in that role. I know. I always thought about that while watching the show, too, because they have viruses, right? And right. they fight the viruses. And I was always just like, why is it called Glitch? That's, like, the opposite of... Because Glitch's function, like, will um, mend, um, mend tears, you know, in the fabric of computer reality or, like, heal sometimes heal people or like open portals to cyberspace etc it doesn't really i guess it has a tax maybe but it's mostly like a healing thing it's like the opposite of a glitch this kind of setting is always a bit weird that the like um biologic realism imposed on a digital construct because it's like to heal you just need to like extrapolate the information in between the two missing parts right (laughs) i guess yeah there's a lot or of talk just... about mending code and stuff. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> or you just like copy paste a person, right? Yeah. Well. Yeah. I mean, r- right. It does. It never really comes up in in reboot itself that like if everybody's made of data, couldn't you back them up and just make copies of people or entities easily? I don't it, quite get it. It does <laughs> and doesn't come up because like the whole. S- <laughs> there's one point where they the apocalypse really happens and they have to rely on losing a game to force the user to reboot the system, which I'm guessing is like, you know, like a hard reset on the hard drive. Like it crashed. Let's start from scratch. And what happens is like, no, the only person who gets a copy made of them is Enzo because he was hiding his code as an AI instead of a sprite in order to like jump around in the games so when the system reboots, they think he doesn't exist anymore, and they create a copy of him that's him when he was a little kid, which is sort of a device to have him as a little kid again. But also, like, it implies that the system recognizes all the other sprites, that it recognizes their code and doesn't need to make a copy of them. So, like, it says, yeah, you can make a copy, but, like, only maybe if it's deemed necessary by the system. I don't know. Yeah, these sort of cracks in the metaphor seem... Like rich, rich fan fiction fodder. <laughs> mm-hmm. I think so. I mean, well, yeah, we'll get to how the story progresses, but I, I just got to say that as a reader, because I'm not that familiar with reboot, there's some series where the techno babble, I'm just like, oh yeah, I get the gist of it, and like I understand what they're going for, and like it all hangs together logically in the scope of this, and I do not understand the reboot techno babble. So anytime they're like talking about things, I'm like, I don't understand how any of this works, and that's on me. As an unprepared person going into a piece of reboot fanfiction. <laughs> you know, I'd say it, it is and it isn't because there's a lot of ways in which it's just very loose. Like, a lot of this in reboot, it's like, uh, yes, well, a virus is bad. And um, I don't know, something about the games destroying the system because at the time they eat up a lot of computer memory. So 
that would cause her system to lag, which becomes bad. I don't know. It's very, like, abstracted from the reality of what a computer is. <laughs> well, I, here's what I do like about the metaphor. This fanfic starts, like, the, the first main events after, like, Bob and Glitch merging is, like, that first TV movie you were talking about, which involves the super virus daemon kind of corrupting whole areas of mainframe. They're trying to, like, section things off and, you know, do some kind of, like, guerrilla combat against it and stuff. I do want to say that my end-user experience of a PC or laptop makes a lot more sense if I think that there are constant wars and, you know, <laughs> large-scale conflicts going on inside it and, you know, only only barely holding on to a precarious balance of functionality. <laughs> As the person yeah. that uh, tr- troubleshoots most of the tech for us three, I, I, <laughs> I, I can totally latch onto your idea of that. <laughs> <laughs> that makes me much more accepting of like if my computer is crapping out where it's like look you know fighters on the inside i know you're doing your best against this <laughs> evil virus i didn't forget to switch the input the the rebel forces <laughs> sent us <laughs> maybe you've just been winning too many games i mean that might be a problem i i win games constantly <laughs> i've never lost a game actually you know that might be my problem coming back to that point yeah you did say before like that the user never wins. And I said, well, they do sometimes, but it's very rare that they do. So, <laughs> and you know, it's funny cause there's a lot of, I like how they construct the user in this because they always say like the user, or, like only the user knows, or like kind of like vague religious language because it's like this unseen entity. Um, but you have to ask the question, like this is probably just like a kid, right? Or multiple kids, <laughs> like using the family computer, like where is this computer and how many users are there? So, like, I like to imagine that it's, like, a five-year-old kid who really doesn't know what they're doing <laughs> at all. And then, or like, occasionally like, when the user wins the game, it's, like, their older brother or something. Or, or an adult plan or something. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. I want a fanfic that takes the reboot concept and cosmology and then approaches it from a, quote, realistic, unquote, perspective. So that, like, the user, you know, keeps playing the same game over and over, and they're like, oh, God, Minecraft again? You've sunk, like, 400 hours into this. Can't we play something else? <laughs> you spent, like, five hours just rearranging your garden in Minecraft. At least do something. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, so, anyway, there's all kinds of stuff that seem like it's basically the events of that TV movie before we kind of get into the main part of this. But we should talk about Glitch's perspective a little bit. Um, I've got to say, I barely remembered Glitch at all. And you're right, it's just kind of like a little beepy, you know, tool mostly. Key key tool. But I do immediately in this fanfic kind of start developing a fondness for Glitch that I did not have before. Just because it seems like Glitch is pulling a whole lot of weight and maybe doesn't get thanked enough. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, it's kind of like, yeah, the show does imply that Glitch has some amount of sentience, right? Because it communicates with Bob in bleep bloops, but it's not really treated like exactly like a sentient person. And Glitch gets to express a lot of frustration around not being able to communicate first and then like not being appreciated. And also what Glitch does as a really good function is get to say all the things that the viewer is thinking in a scene about things between the main characters. Like, come on, Bob, just tell Dot that you like her already, you know? (laughs) Here's a random one. Um, Let's see. Bob getting distracted by something Megabyte left behind as they're heading up to sector control. 
Come on, Guardian, you can't waste time talking to a hologram. You'll only survive three micros in here, even with my help. Ignore the dip switch and do your job. Oh, what yeah. What I wouldn't give her hands. That's, <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, when Bob's, like, dying from radiation, but wastes his time talking to Megapite. Uh, it's good. I like this. It's like, um, it's weird because so much of the dialogue is just lifted from the source, but like having Glitch's perspective as like a viewer perspective makes it very fun. Sort of like a riff tracks or something. <laughs> well, there's that, but there's also just the fact that Glitch is very hardworking and very dedicated to Bob. And when things are going well, Glitch very much like expresses its satisfaction that like Bob and I are partners. Like, we, we get each other, and, you know, usually we're on the same page, and, like, we work really well together, even though they can't directly communicate. And that's what kind of makes it, you know, makes it work in this early part where they're merged also, I think, is, like, it's kind of an expression of the fact that even if there's this huge gap between them, like, they're really on the same page and really, you know, have the same goals, mostly, and are, you know, trying to work together. When they're merged, does Bob get glitch insight, too, or is it... Um, the way it's described here is that Glitch can... Am I understanding this right, Tori? Glitch can kind of, like, draw on the energy that Bob produces, because Sprite produces... Sprites produce energy in the way that key tools don't. But it's still kind of, like, Glitch doing the things. Hmm. Just kind of, like, from within Bob. Like, it's still doing the scanning. Yeah. Consciously. Yeah. Like, Glitch is still... A this is what's unclear in this series is if Glitch still retains itself as a separate entity after merging into Bob's body. And, and in, in the fanfic, fanfic, it does. It does. And I think the author wanted to pick on the fact that, like, Glitch seems sentient before, so why not be, like, sentient while merged with Bob? And I feel like something they describe, like, when Glitch first merges is, like, what it's like to have sprite senses. Like, essentially what it's like to be, go from being an animate object, well, not inanimate entirely, but because it can fly around on its own, but being, like, an object to a person who can see and hear. So that's something Glitch gains from that. And then I think Bob and Glitch kind of can communicate more telepathically, but it doesn't seem like it's 100% always true, right, Amato? Well, okay, so part of the issue is that apparently you learn later in the series that, like, their merging didn't go well because of the circumstances of it. Like, it, it didn't work the way it was supposed to. And that that's kind of where the main, I'd say, fanfic-specific plot ends up starting. Well, I, I guess it doesn't quite start. Um, the first kind of main thing that happens outside, like, the events of, you know, the movie that are being retold from, from Glitch's perspective seems to be that, like, in the course of this war, the other key tools start kind of finding their way to Bob and taking refuge in him. Yeah, well, because that happened, the first movie, which is, I, if you're going to watch anything in Reboot, I recommend that one. So, like, the first half of season four. Um, because it concerns this virus called Damon, who uh, is essentially, like, a goddess. Like, she's, like, this religious figure. And there's a lot of, like, because they could get away with this now that they weren't being, like, pushed down by the standards and practices, whatever it is, um, <laughs> censorship that they apparently butted heads with a lot. Um, like, kind of criticism of religious fervor in it, because people get converted to the virus, and it kind of, they, they become, like, uh, I don't know, like, they are born again. There's even a whole thing that Mike the TV does. He sings, like, a, a song, like, he's, like, an evangelical preacher, and it's really good. But um, 
sorry, just distracted myself a little bit, but the whole Damon thing is that like, um, now I've completely forgot where I was going. Oh my gosh. <laughs> I was so excited <laughs> well, about that movie. Um, <laughs> we were talking about, uh, the key tools kind of all hiding in right. Bob one by one. Right. Sorry. It's a really good movie, but um, the <laughs> other guardians, like all of the, the reason, like when the movie starts, we get introduced to this conflict by all of the guardians coming together to like try to basically take over mainframe. Mainframe's like the last vestige. It hasn't been taken over. And so all, and they even say in the movie specifically, like they wonder where the guardians key tools went and they never actually, I think, follow up. So, like, once the Guardians are in, infected with the virus, their key tools just disappeared. And they explain this by, they all went into Bob. <laughs> it's like Glitch being in him has kind of made it a space in which key tools can exist, basically. I'm summarizing because I, I can't copy the techno babble. So, Bob is a house party for the key tools now. Yes, and that's actually <laughs> kind of interesting. It starts off with this other key tool who is apparently an important character, if you put it that way. Uh, what's the name of that other kind of main key tool who's Glitch's friend? Copeland. Copeland. Glitch and Copeland. I'm, I'm sorry, I don't quite get Glitch as a name. I, I, don't, I don't get Copeland. Like, who names a tool <laughs> Copeland? But anyway. Uh, just better than note. naming your tool Glitch. Well, <laughs> I'm checking the... Uh, my two Bob's wiki, and they say they were split up into four episodes when it aired, and one of the episodes' name is "Life's a Glitch." <laughs> okay. <laughs> <laughs> so I, yep. I guess that's the kind of shit they do once they know they're canceled. <laughs> oh yeah, they could get away with a lot. I, I guess there was a whole thing where I just want to bring this up really quick because I find it kind of funny when they first tried to do because the CG modeling was new. Um, Dot was the first female character that they introduced. She's like, you know, the main female character. And apparently mm -hmm. at when they introduced her character model, something in Reboot is that all their clothes are pretty much skin tight. The um, Canadian like uh, censorship company standards and practices board was like, oh, you can't show her boobs like that. And so they turned it into like a uniboob. <laughs> and they were just really mad about it. And you see later on once they're canceled that she has two distinct breasts again. But I just think it's hilarious. It's like, ah, uh, yes, you can't show accurate anatomy. Pretend she has one boob. <gasps> well, see, Scandalous. that's a very important computer metaphor that all ties into how computers work, Tori. Uh, mm. Dual core Binary? processing? Wait. There you go. <laughs> You either have zero or one boobs. <laughs> That's not always true. That would be more. Yeah, yeah. There you go. It's binary. Perfect. <laughs> Love to hear yeah. it. <laughs> yeah. So Copeland's the first other key tool to show up. And, you know, he's like, look, I, you know, my, my guardian did the best they could, but they were infected. And like, I got to go somewhere. And, you know, it's like, fine, like stick around and you just, but Bob's running low on energy. Maybe you can help us out with that. And Copeland's like, great. But then more and more key tools start showing up. And also Copeland is damaged, right? Uh, maybe. Maybe later. Well, the other thing is that, like, things are going wrong with Bob. And Bob is kind of, like, you know, barely 
like starting to not hold together in some metaphor thing, right? Uh, they held his ever-fragmenting code together. Um, and so I feel like, so my understanding is that later on, in My Two Bobs probably, uh, it is revealed that this merging is dangerous to Bob's health long-term. And like that he's in, in danger of, you know, uh, whatever their word for death is, like being deleted or whatever. Uh, actually, I feel like that's an author's extrapolation that works a lot better because it, maybe I'm wrong, but it seemed like the whole reason that Bob wanted to separate from Glitch in the movie was to look like how he looked before he merged with Glitch because he thinks Dot doesn't like the way he looks now. Oh, oh, right. And that explains it was like, why. Yeah. <laughs> why Glitch is rolling his eyes throughout that whole Okay. Yeah. I, I, I guess that was clearish. Okay, well, in this story, it is dangerous. And you see something that apparently Bob is completely unaware of, which is that Glitch and an ever-increasing army of key tools, up to 20 key tools, are making heroic efforts throughout these whole events just to, like, keep this whole, you know, badly performed merging functioning and everybody and staving off everybody's death. Yeah, and they explain that there's, like, limited reserves of energy that each component has, but, like, it makes sense that if you've got an army of key tools living inside your body, it's going to be, like, stressful um, on the body. (laughs) Of course, Bob isn't aware of all these other key tools. Like, Glitch apparently could communicate to Bob about it, but, like, basically doesn't know how to tell him. (laughs) He feels like it's going to freak him out with everything else he has going on. Are these key tools using Bob resources? Um, the problem is that they, they, they end up fleeing to him for shelter, right? But then it turns out that, A, they can't recharge their energy while they're in Bob. So everybody's just kind of, like, you know, rationing off what energy reserves they had when they came in to, like, keep things going and, you know, help each other out and stuff. Mm-hmm. And, B, it turns out they can't leave Bob, which nobody was aware of when they first went into Bob. Right. And, <laughs> and so, Oh, go on. So I, I was just picturing, you know, the movie Inside Out, basically, uh, throughout yeah. most of the action of this fanfic. Except they're stuck. <laughs> I mean, they're stuck in there in Inside Out. It's just they don't have anywhere else they would ever want to go. No, they, they, they live there in Inside Out, I think. <laughs> they don't intrude okay. and then stay. <laughs> it's not a perfect metaphor. <laughs> Unlike Reboot with computers. Right, right. <laughs> we do have a cultural reference point for this, though, yeah. <laughs> uh, unlike reboot on computers, yes, the perfect metaphor. <laughs> um, oh, just like that's kind of the middle part of the fan fiction. There's lots of stuff, specific things going on. Uh, I do remember, yeah, Copeland runs into trouble and like they're trying to sustain him as well as Bob and all this kind of stuff. And um, on the one hand, as a extremely casual reboot knower, I was kind of lost on a lot of details of what was going on, you know, on the outside or in the main plot. But it did help, I feel like, the suspense for me, not having any idea how this resolves. And because they are, like, it, it takes a while. They kind of have to keep these things going, and it's it's stressful, and they don't have any, you know, like, kind of out on this. They just kind of have to keep hoping that, like, something about the situation is going to change before people start dying. Yeah, it's... It's kind of funny because, like, a lot of the tension is just that. But, like, that means that the main events that are happening are split between Glitch's observations of the main plots of season four and right. um, 
trying to manage not just like energy and stuff between the key tools, like, cause some of them are, have less energy than others and glitch has to like basically become a commander, but also manage like their emotions. Like each kind of key tool has their own personality. And at some point it's referred, I think this is funny. Glitch refers to like the upper and lower decks (laughs) as he's like navigating the Bob space. And it made me think (laughs) of like how he's like a commander of the Bob starship where all these like different, you know, key tools are existing together. Well, Copeland was kind of doing, yeah, Copeland was kind of doing the leading, but when Copeland's out of commission, Glitch has that moment where it's like, Glitch has to step up and make an inspiring speech, which is not the best inspiring speech, but it's, it's fine. Um, he's like, don't give up hope and some other things. And one of the more literal key tools is like, where do I find the hope or whatever? And it's like, (laughs) just, just keep doing your thing. Just be cool, okay? <laughs> yeah. Right. <laughs> it's interesting, too, because this whole time, you have no visual no. like idea of what this would look like. They're existing as energy inside a person, quote-unquote. <laughs> Digital person. Who's also right. energy, They're... right? <laughs> yeah. But you have no yeah. visual frame of reference. It's all this dialogue between key tools, which I find really interesting. <laughs> I mean, you know, they do describe actions in some senses. Like like you said, people do move closer or away from each other or be in different areas or that kind of thing. But what is that they, are a like? metaf- <laughs> they are a metaphor inside a metaphor inside a metaphor. So it's <laughs> fairly abstract. I was going to it's say it probably looks abstract. the same as the show itself because that's already what's happening. They're just different electronic signals that are moving in relative to each other in the digital space, right? Well, sure, right. but in yeah. that case, you could give them distinct forms and descriptions of those forms and descriptions of the space, which they do not. This author does not. It's interesting. It's, in some ways, I don't think it works completely as a story for me, but it's it's odd. It um, is. It's, it's a very unique story. Yeah. I mean, the closest thing we can compare it to in terms of things we've read is um, A Very Secret Diary. The, the Very Secret Diary. The one that's Harry Potter, not the one that's Lord of the Rings. Not the right? one. Because, because it, it fits within canon from right. a perspective that we did not get in the canon and follows along with the same events in the canon and reveals some other stuff as well. And the other thing that is similar to that is that the chapters are very short in this. Um I guess it's kind of like as it's tracking the order of events, like you said, Tori, it'll be kind of like, well, while this thing was going on, you know, here's what was going on inside Bob. And, you know, then it'll move to kind of like the next point. And so there's 37 chapters and the word count is 23,000. Um, each chapter is on average, I don't know, like 600 words or something. something yeah, very not that short. Much. Yeah. I am glancing here at chapter, at chapter 12, Dom, and your earlier comment about the house party. <laughs> Bob ended up being the place to be. It was like a key tool fraternity in here. Uh, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> that, that's, that's before they figure out that they can't leave and everybody's dying, which, you just, know. Just fried house B-O-B, but Greek letters. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Beta, Omega, Beta. Omega. Yeah. The, the key tool, frat house. <laughs> Co-ed, fratern- uh, whatever you call it, fraternal organization. It would be um, like in binary, though. It'd be like whatever the binary extrapolation of those Greek letters would be. Oh, that reminds me. The chapters are numbered yes. in binary, which is, of course, very cute. 
<laughs> it's super cute because, you know, something that Reboot does is use binary often, but like not particularly for any reason um, or even very accurately sometimes. But it evokes the idea, right, of this is code. That's all you really need. But like the Matrix code sort of thing, where like it doesn't make mm-hmm. any sense at all, but it's so sci-fi tech. <laughs> yeah, like I-, I was thinking specifically on one scene I just saw where like um, they were trying to extract a code from Fong's head, and um, they extracted it and displayed the numbers in, you know, uh, Arabic numerals and then in binary. And they ended up reusing 68, like, four times in a row. (laughs) Like, (laughs) I guess to save, I don't know, time on animating it, because no one was paying attention to that. But I was just thinking, like, what is the point? (laughs) What's the point of having it in both, you know, both types of number? And what's the point of having 68 over and over again? (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> that sounds like a math thing i don't know i i'm i'm not prepared for this <laughs> uh, anyway so they, they survive the events of the first tv movie you know they defeat damon or whatever and and then you're right Troy. they go into the second tv movie which is that one called my two bobs it is yep. and i i should preface okay. this by saying that my two bobs if you read it if you watch the film you're gonna be like this is ridiculous but it does start with a sitcom styled opening and the whole, and I think that ends up being Dot's dream, but like it makes references to the Brady Bunch and stuff. The whole point they were trying to go in this movie was to make it feel like a sitcom. However, in the film, there's a lot of frustration there because there is a second Bob who you have no reason to think is any more or less legitimate than first Bob though we spent a lot more time with first Bob. However, he looks more like Bob used to look before he moved, merged with Glitch. And then almost, I don't know, immediately after that, he enters a game with Matrix and starts behaving in very un-Bob-like ways. So you're immediately like, nobody, no viewer at any point thinks that's the real Bob. But all the characters do. And I think it's because they're trying to do like a sitcom tension and make a parody there. So what this story does well is it calls attention to how the viewer feels, which is like, that is clearly a virus. That is not a bomb. (laughs) (laughs) Right. (laughs) That means doing a bad Bob job. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) But Glitch is also still unable to communicate that. Right. Yeah, Glitch scans immediately deduces that the new Bob is a virus as like, I think the viewer does kind of assume anyway, that it's not the real Bob. There's never any tension around whether it's the real Bob, I think in the story. And it becomes even more ridiculous because at one point Bob is trying to separate the real Bob is trying to separate from glitch. I think purely for aesthetic reasons, but it's not unwarranted because apparently dot is drawn to new Bob because he looks like how he used to look. And he's like, the only reason that Bob wants to separate from Glitch is like, so I can look like I used to look, so like, so Dot will like me more. And while that happens, something goes wrong, and Bob gets like frozen into a a black, I don't know, statue state. And in the meantime, Dot just decides to go ahead and marry Virus Bob. 
Because <laughs> I guess he looks like how he used to look, however many, uh, I don't know, what do they say, seconds ago, minutes ago. Time is My- different in the reboot universe. <laughs> well, you know, that's why you had two bombs, so you have a spare bomb. Right. You lose one bob, you still have a bob to marry. That's fine. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, couldn't yeah. Do, it, couldn't you do that it, in this metaphor? <laughs> <laughs> um, well, yeah, so we get we get in the fanfic the glitch end and, you know, the inside bob end of all this. And, you know, for one thing, they're kind of like waiting while uh, Bob is like setting up these various experiments to split them apart. Glitch kind of understands that he's on the wrong, tra- wrong track earlier than, you know, Bob does and but can't communicate that information really. And, um, long story short, it does culminate in something working, which apparently they had used some similar variation of Technobabble earlier in the series for another purpose, and I'm, I'm just not going to approach it. But, <laughs> Tori, you rewatched that movie, right? Yeah, I did after reading this fanfic, though. So what's interesting is it's kind of hard for me to separate because so much of the dialogue is lifted from the movie in this fanfic, like what information the movie gave and what information the fanfiction did. Well, my impression is that this is what the whole fanfic's leading up to, is that in the movie, when finally they have a method that works involving portals, I don't know, don't ask me, like, <laughs> they end up, Bob sees a vision of giant, a giant glitch appearing before him. Oh yeah, and that happened. Then, <laughs> then all the other key tools show up, like, they kind of, like, fly out to help, and they're like, whoa, where did the key tools come from? And it sounds like in the movie they give no explanation for any of this, right? Yeah, I, I feel like in the movie they're able to separate Bob and Glitch, but, like, they don't really go into... Like, well, no Guardian ever merged with a key tool before. So it's sort of just, like, implied that it was weird and maybe it just didn't work right and separating them would just be better. Um... They also, in the movie, give this piece of information where, like, Bob somehow lost a piece of his code when he was in, I don't remember how, but in cyberspace. So maybe that has something to do with it. But yeah, it's not super specific. But in this story, it has to do with the multiverse of key tools he has inside of him, which is fair. (laughs) And and those key tools do show up in that movie, right? Like, at Mm -hmm. that point? No, like, no, there's of, never a multiplicity of key tools inside oh, there's Bob never in a the movie. Okay. That's well, something I, I know they're not inside created. Bob, but like but like when they're when he's removing oh. from Glitch, do they not show up? That's a good question. I I think they do. I I think that's you know, this is one of those fanfic authors who sees something in the canon, this is my understanding, that just is not explained and doesn't and and tries to approach it and make a story out of it to explain why on earth that happened. Yeah, because, like, I think in the movie you're supposed to think, like, oh, yeah, like, all the key tools are coming back to their guardians. But, yeah, why would they be coming back to Bob? I don't know. Why right then? Why are they showing up? Right. (laughs) Right. And so why why this giant um, glitch? Well, I, I like... In, in the fanfic, there's two reasons given for why he appears so large to Bob. One is that because of the circumstances, he's just swelling with energy. And the other is that he kind of, like, he says, yeah, yeah maybe I just kind of wanted to, like, remind Bob, like, hey, I'm here, I'm really important and powerful and stuff. And so it was a little bit of showing off also, it seemed like. Yeah. I liked that. And it also seems like Glitch is super important at the end of that movie, right? Because 
they go mm-hmm. and they confront other Bob. And it turns out other Bob is Megabyte as a Trojan horse virus, like in disguise. <laughs> yeah. And here, here's the one thing. Like when they, <laughs> when they confront him, and this is apparently canon, when they confront him about, so wait, why this huge charade to try to marry Dot? Like, what's the point of that? He was like, oh, it amused me. And you're like, seriously? That's it? Yeah. <laughs> uh, and, you know, then he comes in with the ABCs and, like, the invasion and the taking over mainframe and stuff. But it's like, this didn't have any point. None of this had any point. No. And this is where I think the original movie kind of had its downfall, is they were trying to be tongue-in-cheek and do a sitcom thing. Because right. literally Dot is at the altar with Megabyte looking like former Bob when... Bob bursts in and like all the superficiality of like Bob trying to look like his former self and her marrying someone who just looks like, you know, the more pristine version of Bob that the viewer is more used to from more seasons is supposed to just be a tongue in cheek sitcom reference or, you know, drama soap opera thing. But it doesn't work because it doesn't make sense. (laughs) (laughs) But well, I I as someone who's been a fan of sitcoms for most of their life, I would argue that's a that's a point in the pro category. <laughs> I mean, it's pretty funny if you view it from that lens, but like you have to be attacking it from that lens. And I think this reader does a good job of like accepting, or this reader, this writer <laughs> does a good job of accepting that that's the premise, but like tries to give reasonable, more reasonable explanations. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's nothing the author could do about that specific point. Like that is what it is. But a lot of the things surrounding it, yes, she's definitely trying to, like, make everything kind of hang together more in some larger series of events sense. Um, and then apparently at the end of the movie, what what ends up happening is that after all these other things and, you know, moral debates about whether to try to unvirus Megabyte, and there's an attempt made to do that, to, to turn Megabyte into not a virus, which mm-hmm. Megabyte is not down for. Wait, so, is, yeah. so Megabyte's not a virus in the first place? No, he is. Megabyte is a virus. They're okay. trying to turn him into a sprite, which they accomplished with hexadecimals somehow before. But Right. It's, the dialogue is lifted directly from the movie, which is like um, Megabyte saying it's a fate worse than death because he's Bob's essentially going to change his nature as a virus. So it's morally complicated, <laughs> right? Yeah, I mean, but, I get it. Yeah. <laughs> what it well, turns like, out is that Megabyte was never there in the first place. It was a, um, or at least not in the prison. Somehow he was a hologram or something. Wait, wait, wait. No, no. That, that's not how it turns out at that point at the very end. Like, the the one that was going to marry Dot was, like, some sort of alias or something, which is, like, a hologram, right? I guess. Like, it was never super clear Um, because if, I, I guess so. Like, somehow it was an extension of Megabyte, but, like, he, he has turned into a Trojan horse virus. But, like, for some reason, when they think he is in the holding cell, he actually isn't. So... It says here in the, um, in the Wikipedia article, An investigation reveals that Megabyte has become a Trojan horse virus, which gives him the power to shapeshift and effectively disguise himself as anyone. Yeah. Right. There's Which a point where a... they're running around being like, uh, where's heck, where's Megabyte? Like, is, are you Megabyte? Are, <laughs> is that person Megabyte? 
And, you know, I would have wanted this to be more like John Carpenter's The Thing and have, you know, everything collapse into paranoia and, you know, people... I was just thinking that. And, <laughs> and the occasional, like, you know, scare jump out of, of Megabyte. That's not really where it goes, I'm afraid. Sadly. <laughs> they have the whole uh, vaccine scene where they're all sitting around nervously watching a Petri dish. <laughs> right. <Yeah. laughs> Apropos of nothing, my favorite thing about John Carpenter horror movies is just the way that he will have ominous tension building, like extremely obviously, and then have nothing happen. And then, of course, in the <laughs> middle of a scene where like people are just like in the middle of a line of dialogue, like suddenly someone will die. Like Great. suddenly there awesome will be stuff. this completely <laughs> unexpected horror jump. It's so <laughs> like, you know what he's doing, but there's nothing that you, the viewer, can do to, to fight it. <laughs> well uh, you can just always be paranoid all the time Amato that, that's, that's yeah, you, can just expect, <laughs> you can expect something to be happening literally every second like some horrible scare <laughs> anxiety for the win <laughs> uh, where were we the, the, the point is that at the end of this like My Two Bobs movie apparently Glitch is the one who like after failing to repair Megabyte because they don't have enough time or whatever before bad things happen or something, uh, Glitch teleports Megabyte into the internet before Megabyte can explode. Okay, that does not happen in the movie. The movie really? ends on a cliffhanger. So what Whoa, happens, this is what? where the fan fiction diverges <laughs> and actually creates an ending. So he's in prison. Assumed. So there's a point where, like, you know, Megabyte... You know, they discover he's Megabyte and he runs around um, impersonating people and causing general panic. And eventually they capture him. And that's the point where Bob's like, I'm going to make you not a virus anymore. They discover that whoever they captured, whatever they captured was actually just a hologram of him, not like the real him. And then they say, oh, he's in the war room. He could be anyone. In the movie, it turns out that Frisket, the dog, was actually Megabyte. And he kind of like pops up and he's like, ha ha ha, I'm Megabyte. And then like, I don't know, takes off, uh, basically. And I think the movie just kind of like, oh, wait, is that how it ends? I'm, I'm Maybe I'm mixing up scenes. But either way, the movie um, ends with Megabyte. That might have happened earlier. But point being is the movie ends with Megabyte, like, loose and trying to take over. Um, and basically having the upper hand. If you don't mind me reading from the wiki again. Please do. After taking the form of Frisket, after subordinating various personnel, including Dot's father, and capturing Enzo, Megabyte gains complete control of the principal office. The movie ends with him proclaiming that he will now follow his predatory virus nature. He is no longer out to take over Mainframe again, or even the supercomputer. He just wants revenge on the Mainframers. His last words, which are the final words of the series, are, Prepare yourselves, dot dot dot, for the hunt. Yep. Oh, yeah. Okay. So this goes past that. Okay. I mm-hmm. I did not understand because I'm extremely badly researched here. I mean, you would assume that, you know, a series would have an ending, right? And that this was the ending of the series. Um, what I do think this author does well is like, they don't spend too much time wrapping things up. They wrap it up in a very reboot way. And it just like deals with the problem. And you're like, okay, well, at least we're not on a cliffhanger at the end of the series. <laughs> so I just tidied things up. Yep. Um, and I think Amato explained it pretty well. Um, well, yeah. What I was kind of getting at there is that it gives Glitch a hero moment and makes it important that Glitch is separated from Bob to be able to do this at all. Um, that Glitch teleports Megabyte into the internet to explode. 
so that like he doesn't damage mainframe and who cares about the internet they don't um (laughs) won't be the worst thing that happens on the internet that day (laughs) and then you know glitch is kind of caught up in the storm that's that results but is saved by that like wandering uh web surfer whose name yeah ray 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 surfer right tracer is ray the surfer i don't know we are so knowledgeable (laughs) i don't know why i'm forgetting all the characters names they just watched this but (laughs) um and yeah then it kind of ends with like you know glitch and bob being partners and bob being like good work glitch and glitch being like yeah and we're back uh, as a team and and kind of like reaffirming its loyalty to bob and to their job as a guardian and that kind of thing yeah it's kind of sweet especially if you know you've had this glitch perspective this whole time you're like, yeah, I want a happy ending for Glitch. <laughs> and I think it, the author made it clear that like Glitch's whole motivation was like being Bob's partner and helping Bob and loving Bob, which is super sweet. <laughs> yeah, it seems like only the other key tools really appreciate how much Glitch stepped up over the course of his fanfic. Um, but, you know, that's okay. He doesn't, it doesn't do it for the allocades. It does it to keep this rickety old PC running for like another year before it's replaced by a newer model. <laughs> right. Like how long has this computer been around at this point? Like it's gone from seeing the net to the web, like, and the show ran from 94 to like 2001. So that's a long time a for a computer. Like the graphics card got updated or like they added more RAM, that sort of thing. Nope. There's only the changes in cyberspace as we get the internet. Wasn't there one? Maybe. I, I have a vague half memory of like them adding more space or something and the whole town be, being excited about it. I mean, I, Maybe. Was making, yeah. I could be making that up. I don't know. <laughs> uh, you might be right. I did not rewatch the entirety of the show. So. Well, if we're talking <laughs> about the early 2000s here, the, you know, I kept an old computer for a really long time because it ran DOS games. And there were a number of years when you couldn't run old games on your new computer because mm-hmm. it was too fast and powerful and incompatible. Mm-hmm. And yep. of course, then of course, computers got so powerful that it was trivial to run an emulation of DOS using a tiny, <laughs> tiny portion of your computer's power. Yeah. You could just run another computer in your computer. <laughs> right. Right. Run several other computers in your computer and barely notice. I remember yeah. when, in order to play my, like, old Sierra games, I'd have to change my Windows, like, display and, like, to 128 or something, because otherwise it couldn't run the game. And uh, nowadays you can program Pokemon in uh, Minecraft. Right. Yeah. I mean, it would be interesting to see Reboot done for the modern PC, like... It would definitely feel different, but I also feel like there's something really charming about kind of the, I don't know, the like limited uh, computer that they have at the time and like all the bugs that go wrong. And like the episode where Hexadecimal gets a hold of the paint program and all she does is like paint, (laughs) you know, paint all the buildings like in Keith Haring or Monet style and make copy pastes of, of a still image of Bob, like... Uh, and everything appears in like an old, like they have vid windows, but they all look like, you know, the old computer windows of Windows 95 or whatever. 
I'm not sure reboot works as much in the modern context because like what was it 92 to 98 or something 96 well the, the late 90s computer technology was the era of going from like no computers to holy shit there's a magic box right right <laughs> so it's about yeah so it's an era of discovery if you'll forgive the uh yeah <laughs> never mind yeah. it's an era of starting to get comfortable and coming to their own with what computers are Right, like the idea of a computer was really yeah. interesting at the time. And like yeah, I remember yeah. that being something that was really charming for me, you know, as a kid watching the show being like, yeah, you know, there's only so many things my computer can do, but like I know all its functions and they're fun. Like they I can use MS Paint. Um, you know, I can uh, play these video games and like those were the functions that were available in the reboot universe. Now a computer is kind of unlimited. <laughs> ubiquitous yeah like a modern reboot thing would have to be something what was the next like epoch thing like social media instant yeah i don't i don't know if i want to do a social media themed reboot reboot i mean you shouldn't (laughs) no it's probably better than the internet pornography themed reboot reboot though you would definitely oh my god <laughs> well i was about to say about the first thing you would lose the mystique of the user but like i don't know the second one um <laughs> <laughs> i don't know i'm sure that fanfic also exists but i think we're done with this fanfic for the moment um and i guess let's Let's wrap up what we have to complain about and what we want to praise about the fanfic. At least, Tori, you and I can. Dom, you can imagine what you would have disliked about the fanfic <laughs> and what you would have liked. I think I will. <laughs> Ooh. Ah. Ah, uh, no. Well, okay. Hmm. <laughs> <laughs> so that's just you imagining. That's okay. If we restricted ourselves to having opinions about things that we actually knew about, like... I don't know what we talk about in the first place. We'd have like five episodes, I think. <laughs> right. <laughs> like cobbled together. <laughs> uh, and there'd be even less on the internet. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Ooh, internet burn. Yeah, social <laughs> media. Yeah, the net, the web, viruses. The World Wide Web. A motto with those hot takes spilling tea. <laughs> <laughs> so complaints. Um... As is, I tend to go towards like the general structure and flow of the story. It's janky. And it's because it really expects you to have watched the two movies that became season four and have them in your mind while you're reading. But even then, the flow is kind of weird because it's like it's touching on a lot of events that you would then already know about, right? Like if you had those in your mind. I feel like the story's at its best when it's this new material inside Bob, like, that is not addressed in the show. And I I just feel like it kind of ties itself to a series of events that have already been established a little bit too much. And therefore, as a reading experience, it's kind of like weirdly kind of stop and go and doesn't really get kind of an arc that I would expect a story to have. Yeah, (laughs) it's like... Pretty much almost exactly what I was going to say, like maybe not so much to harp on the the flow of it, but like to say that it is pulling in two different directions. Like I 
read this before I rewatched season four, and I didn't remember hardly anything that had happened. And I felt like I was getting a lot of information about it. But at the same time, having gone and watched them, I was like, oh, there were so many pieces I was missing from not watching it. Like so many things that they were actually trying to do to extrapolate on the the main story. I feel like it could have been served a lot better, maybe by like, I don't know, either assuming one or the other that the view, the reader had seen or not seen. And, and in my mind, I think pulling less dialogue directly from the text, maybe just glossing events instead of pulling direct dialogue would have been a lot more effective. You know, I don't know if it would have been faithful to the source material, but it would have been kind of interesting if Glitch only communicated in dialogue with other key tools and only really got the gist of conversations from the sprites. Like if there was kind of that same kind of language barrier going on from Glitch's perspective, that you have when you're watching Glitch in the TV show, where it's going like beep boop or whatever. And that would have kind of saved the dialogue issue being pulled, you know, pulled from the from the show. If like Glitch kind of could could summarize some of the communications of these sprites that's monitoring a little bit more broadly. I like that because I think there's a certain amount of like what we do get in the story is Glitch being kind of the viewer's critical perspective on the characters. And that's a little bit fun, but it's like, it's especially not necessary, I think, for the My Two Bobs movie, because like, the criticism is sort of obvious. (laughs) And I think it would be better if like, maybe Glitch, I don't know, instead of trying to play multiple roles as both its own personality and as a critical voice of the characters, was just like, I don't know, give more tension to Glitch, right? Give Glitch like something, a barrier, another barrier to overcome, or like, something else to do in the world. Okay, Dom, your turn. I liked how I zoned out there and was thinking about my own shit for a while. <laughs> Wait, no, no, this is no, no, Dom, this is, this is where we're complaining about things. Okay, I, I hated that I wasn't paying attention and then zoned out and was thinking about my own shit for a while. <laughs> That's better. <laughs> there we go. <laughs> well, Thank you for your sound- contribution. Well, as someone who has absolutely no right to say anything at all, it sounds to me that it's mostly just like a rehash of the two movies. Was that like the stated intent of it, you think? Yeah. I mean, I think the intent, like I said, was more to um, kind of fill in holes in in the explanations of why things were happening in those movies. Yeah. But you're right that what ends up happening is that most of it is just kind of the content from those movies. Yeah. Cuz like like I, I was a big like Halo fan person back in the day and I was a fan of like the first book and the third book cuz that covered new grounds and the second book was just the first Halo game retold. And it's like it, you do have the chance to add new things and add there was a new lore bit they added about the forerunners but basically like I skipped it. <laughs> like I was a big in-depth fan looking for clues and I skipped it because it was just more the same like the very secret diary worked for us though right but that was because it did but so little of it is actually drawn directly from the book and when it is you're like whoa this is the part that you actually see in the book right i think if you do this it might be good to be more transformative maybe yeah i don't i'm just throwing shit out (laughs) yeah no 
I agree with that. Like the the author has a note that's like um picks up in season three when Glitch reunites with Bob and continues past season four with events told from Glitch's point of view. Starts very alternate point of view, but quickly diverges as Bob's code starts to break down and events slash inside him require even more attention from the key tool than the outside. And if that was true of the story, I think I would like it more. But it's sort of like the outside is always pressing in a lot more than I feel like it should. Oh, oh, uh, the two books I'm reading now are actually had this thing. Um, uh, Not Your Psychic and the follow-up Not Your Villain. The first like hundred pages or so of Not Your Villain is like tells it's from a different character's point of view. So it starts earlier. It covers different events. When it gets to the events of the first book, it kind of skips around where it just kind of dips back in where this character was involved. And it's more about their point of view than what's going on at the moment. And then it overshoots and does his own story. So that was interesting. So maybe something, something like that where they don't, beat for beat but they like remess the uh sense of time in there to be more dependent to the uh new perspective character yeah that could be interesting like the the things that are more important or less important to glitch are not necessarily the same things that are more important and less important when the story is being told you know to yeah. the viewer or whatever totally yeah they're they're essentially telling you the same thing, but it feels different. Yeah, like some of the more enjoyable parts of the story were like the allusions to the decks, as I mentioned before, like where you can sort of abstractly visualize Glitch being like a captain of all of these different key tools <laughs> inside Bob. Like, I think if they'd done a landscape for that and rooted you more in scenes like that, it would have developed into its own narrative instead of Glitch being trying to deal with other things while along for the ride with Bob. <laughs> I'm just imagining well, like a let- spaceship with like glitch with, with like a captain's hat on shouting orders. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like something. Give us a visual. It'd be cool. It'd be funny because it's like just a little watch, basically. <laughs> well, I think that leads into us praising the fanfic. Because I agree that like it's it's the most fun and interesting when it's kind of really focused on the key tools as both kind of like what they're doing from their perspective, because nobody else really seems to pay a whole lot of attention to what they're doing and how they're doing it, just kind of like what they can do, right? If that makes sense. And also mm-hmm. as a society, because like they all know each other and they all have different personalities and they've all got like this long history and they've all been working with multiple guardians. And, you know, at one point, like Glitch is like, oh, I always did have, I you know, I always do end up choosing the revolutionary guardians because of like Bob's <laughs> uh, virus saving kind of stance and that sort of thing and it's like actually really cool it's like you're peeling back this extra layer of metaphor in reboot and going like even deeper into like the functionality and it's it's all this layers of sentient beings making things work all the way down it feels like yeah (laughs) it was such a great idea to give glitch a voice like i think i mentioned before like it's you don't think about it much when you watch the show, but like, yeah, Glitch clearly has sentience and like makes decisions. Glitch should have a voice. I find that super enjoyable in this story. And I think Glitch is really charming in its devotion to Bob and devotion to the other key tools too. Yeah. Yeah. You, you gotta love, I, I love the concept of giving a point of view to the, to the sapient that you don't that haven't heard from before or discounted most of the time. Like, 
Star Wars has a lot of stuff out there, and so it's probably out there, but I'd, I'd be more interested in Star Wars that's entirely from a, from a robot's point of view. I was just thinking of R2, right? And R2 yeah. is a little bit more mm-hmm. prominent in terms of having a personality because you always have C-3PO responding to what he says. Mm-hmm. But, but I would still be interested in something kind of exclusively from R2's perspective. And, you know, you just know <laughs> how it would go, right? It would be like this whole problem that gets solved in the background by R2 without anybody else noticing. But it would, oh, I'm, I'm right. watching a, I'm watching a Star Wars Rebels right now, and uh-huh. they're they have a little, um, not not R two, but a little astro, astro droid, and it's great because it's just a fucking asshole. <laughs> That's his personality. Yeah. It just this shit shit robot, <laughs> and I love it. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it was a good idea, and yeah, that's probably. Oh, and I, I, the other thing I guess I can praise is just that I do appreciate the when continuity nerds do incredibly nerdy continuity things, which is definitely part of this fanfic. That's your jam. <laughs> oh, yeah. I couldn't fully appreciate it this time because I'm not knowledgeable enough about Reboot, but like, it's obvious that's what was going on. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And like I mentioned before, like they, even, they wanted to follow the story so consistently, but the, you know, uh, she gave it an ending too. I was like, that's good. I'm, I'm glad that happened. Um, and it happened in a very reboot way. So it is very satisfying just to see, you know, the continuity be concise like or be consistent, but then like have a concise ending on the end where you're like, it's almost like you watched the movie, but it had an ending. It feels really satisfying. <laughs> that has As to be nice. season four layman, I did not notice the scene there in the slightest. No, yeah. I, I mean, I didn't notice before I watched the movie. So. <laughs> I, I was like passively familiar with the reboot fans ennui of the cliffhanger series. <laughs> so it, it makes a lot of sense to uh, wrap it up nicer. I mean, because like fan fiction in, in some places is like fantasy fulfillment, right? So it's like, what if it wasn't shit? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, there's an element of that in here, too, which is, like, staying faithful to the My Two Bob story, but giving a critical perspective from Glitch to make it just a little more satisfying. At least somebody isn't buying this <laughs> obviously not Bob. Mm-hmm. Well, speaking of reaching a conclusion and wrapping things up in a satisfying way that is completely seamless and not noticeable, I guess we should close out this episode, right? Yes. <laughs> Good job, Amato. I'm just the guest for today, so I, I don't know whatever you guys normally do. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, this was episode 104 of Retro Fanfic Retrospective, our very first in the year 2021. And it was, I was about to say my two bobs, because we've been saying it so much, but a glitch in Bob <laughs> by Jameson. We'll put a link there on the show notes. I'll do a short link also if you're just listening to this and can't see the show notes for some reason at bit.ly slash rfrreboot. I've got to say, earlier in the show, I used to say what we would be doing the next episode. You all remember that? Yeah. I was just thinking that, actually. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I don't do that anymore. Vaguely. Yeah. Well, it's like you started really. doing it and then, then like the schedule is more nebulous and then you didn't do it for one or two weeks and then like the plague and then like we forgot about it <laughs> i didn't actually forget about it but 
because the schedule has gotten a little bit less consistent and because we have so many more guests, which are like a, an element of unreliability and sometimes we need to reschedule or whatever. Mm -hmm. um, I just like to say, it's not me forgetting. I am deliberately withholding information from all of you. Just <laughs> wanted to put that on the record. No, Amara, you're building suspense. Uh, yeah, right. That's what I'm doing. <laughs> yeah, I, I was, I was going to say there was a way you could phrase that was a, a little <laughs> less, uh, I don't know, critical towards yourself. Yeah, I mean, who's your PR team, man? That this is. <laughs> <laughs> no, my Amato's PR just... team is also me, and we signed <laughs> off on it. Right, Amato's yes, just yeah. attempting to uh, paint himself as the villain, <laughs> <laughs> or the virus, as it were. I can't rewrite my essential nature. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you could try, but you just escape and leave us on a cliffhanger. We'll try not to end the show on a cliffhanger whenever we do end it. Which will be now. <laughs> Isn't that what you're doing by not telling us what's happening next week? I don't know. All right. The intro song to the podcast is The Weekly Fair off of the album Popey's Incredible Adventure by Komiku. The outro song is Run Against the Universe from the same album. You can find that album and other works by Komiku at loyaltyfreakmusic.com. Our show is edited by Dom Davis, whoever that is. <laughs> if you're interested in following me for whatever reason, you can check me out on Dom G. Davis at Twitter. I don't do much besides complain about non-binary stuff, I think. <laughs> That's enough for me. Yeah, if I ever have any other projects or anything, that it'll be on there. You can also find our website at retrofanficretrospective.podbean.com or bit.ly slash retrofanfic. We don't do a whole lot there either, but the new episodes do go there. <laughs> mm -hmm. So that is a thing. We don't even complain about things there. Um, <laughs> but if you do want to find the occasional, you know, retweet about fan fiction related things to stay up on your fan fiction breaking news and such, or if you have comments, questions, or thoughts about the episode, you can find us on Twitter at RetroFanfic. That's where most of the action is. We've also got Facebook at RetroFanfic and Reddit at Fanfic Retrospective and Instagram at RetroFanfic, right? I think that's right. Yes. And you can also send us an email at RetroFanficRetrospective at gmail.com. Leaving comments or reviews on your podcast service would also be greatly appreciated. I'm Amato. I'm Tori. I'm Dom. We're just three Earth life forms trying to be nice to each other and stave off horrible viruses. <laughs> Until next time, take care. Prepare yourselves for the hunt for new fanfics. <laughs> <laughs> what would your people's name be? <laughs> no glitch <laughs> yes yeah uh, you think glitch would be a terrible name for for something to put your trust in in a completely digital world hi uh here's my tool that's going to help me out it's called rapid mutation <laughs> <laughs> i'm going to go visit dr hurt me <laughs> it's called uh you know cascade biological fa failure <laughs> uh not not the most comforting